Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As more sectors across Ireland are reopening, the COVID-19 pandemic unemployment payment is changing. If you're currently receiving this payment, the amount you receive will change from the 16th of November. To find out more about how these changes will affect you, visit gov.ie forward slash PUP changes. A Government of Ireland initiative brought to you by the Department of Social Protection. Episode 15 of the bloodandmud.com podcast. I'm Lee Calvert, I'm the editor of bloodandmud.com and over there is... I'm Josh Gardner on RugbyShowWatch.com. This week we've got um, quite a big bunch to get through actually. We'll do a quick review of the weekend. Not every game, you'll be glad to hear. Um, I've got a special feature about James Haskell where I'll be testing Josh on some very, deep Haskell knowledge. Very excited about that. There'll be the shit good ratings and also the transition of the shit watch. We've been requested on Twitter and a number of other places to make a return of some of our older features, so You Dirty Get is making a return this week with a legendary, disgraceful bit of cheating, which we'll talk about. Then we'll have a preview of Six Nations Round 4, because that's coming back this weekend with some big news on the squad front, I think. And we've got another one from The Loop, which I don't know if Josh will like it, but we'll talk about it later on. (laughs) Okay then, Josh. Hello. Back we are. A non-Six Nations weekend. A bit of a bridging, bridging domestic season getting in the way. We were not short of rugby this weekend, though. Let's uh, let's be honest with it. Was bloody well, everything. the results were kind of mental, weren't they? A little bit, yeah. It's just, Premiership they were, anyway. It's sort of one of those weekends where just mad shit happens, isn't it? Like, it's during the Six Nations, truly anything can happen. It's really weird. weird comebacks, like... Teams being yeah. shit for 40 minutes and then actually looking quite good. Now, the Pro 12, correct me if I'm wrong, because I might remember this one, the Pro 12 <laughs> normally carries on during the Six Nations anyway, doesn't it? Does it? Yeah, yeah. In, in in the same way that the Prem does, I think they sort of, they slot it in on weekends here, there and everywhere. Um, But not, obviously they're playing more this year because of the World Cup, I think. Yeah, because the Prem hasn't suffered like this before, has oh, it? Oh, okay. Yeah, they've, no, not, they've never had a complete programme. 
right the way through the Six yeah. Nations like they've had this year. And some people seem to be suffering with it more than others. Harlequins. Yeah, that's that's all. I mean, obviously losing Nick Evans is not going to be a very easy thing for any team to soak up. But yeah, they, they're not having a good time of it, are they? They've had a horrible period of time throughout the entire tournament, really. And, and interestingly, Wasps haven't. No, although... I mean, the loss of the weekend, but generally... Yeah, I mean, it was interesting that I thought that, that you know, the way the Wasps finally, the juggernaut finally ground to a halt in a bit of a sort of... In the kind of way that you expected them to, really, which was just sort of a game that was quite edgy and quite tight and quite forwards orientated, And that's always the sort of game that I guess isn't going to really suit Wasps. But yeah, it's... Saris as well. Like I don't want to get carried away as they're still top, but after looking mm. for all the world like they piss everything this season, the Six Nations has really knocked the wheels off a little bit. I mean, they've got three points clear now, which is yeah. Because, and I remember we talked about this a few weeks ago, and I said, <laughs> I said I can't see the top four really changing because their form looked fairly set and wasn't yeah. patchy and so on and so forth. And then, of course, you get to the actual situation now, and and Quinns are down an eighth. Yeah, and and Leicester have come sort of storming up from nowhere as well, and and they've kind of they're firmly entrenching themselves in that top four now. And they had, you know, obviously that game against uh, Exeter was a pretty massive game, all told for everybody. Great win for Leicester, and to be honest with you, a great comeback for Exeter as well. Getting that bonus point could be yeah, absolutely. They, they were what thirty one six down at one point, at fifty six minutes gone. To come back to get a losing bonus point is is very impressive. Interestingly, Rob Baxter, I think for the first time ever in his life, made some comments about the ref. He did, which he hasn't. He doesn't do. So he must have been really, really, really unhappy because that's not his style at all. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, he did say the ref isn't the reason we lost. We didn't play for the first forty minutes, which I guess sort of. Yeah, but you see, then when they go kind of, however. Yeah, then that's no. effectively that is what you're saying, isn't it? So why mention it then? Yeah, no, it was it it was obviously he got quite annoyed about that. He's not like Steve Diamond or, or Dean Ryan or whoever who liked to moan about the ref every week. He he was no, obviously quite ch- missed at that. But yeah, yeah, so that... Isn't it, I mean, Quinns in particular. I, I think I can't work out. With, I mean, Wasps had the loss of the weekend, but they they've got stronger during the tournament. But I think when you look mm. at it, they've probably lost the least number of key players. Wasps. Yes, they've kept and the scrum half. They've kept the pack together generally. Yeah, the pack has been relatively, and I mean, they've benefited from, you know, the continual ignoring of Elliot Daly and and Joe Simpson and, and Wade, and, and I mean, I know Joe Simpson's yeah. injured and stuff, but like, yeah, they definitely they're reaping the rewards, and it sort of it casts a bit of a a shadow over sort of teams like Saris and. And Bath, who've made such a hullabaloo about recruiting all these England internationals over the last couple of years, and it's like it looks good when you've got all these England internationals playing for you. But in the same way that the Welsh regions always struggle at these sort yeah. of times of years because they lose half of their team to the Wales squad, like losing half of your team to the England squad, no matter how much money you've got, that's going to be a problem and that's going to cause issues. Saying yes. that. Bath actually won this weekend. So, yeah, um, and Bath keeps signing number eight who keep who are going to get called up. It's really weird. They got Falatau and then they signed yeah. um, Denton. Well, all these people are going to be gone during the yeah. Six Nations. It's kind of strange, really. I have to say though, like Toby Booth wins the prize for most ridiculous load of shite I've ever heard um, for this weekend. Anyway, for I, I mean, obviously one, Bath, Bath got the bonus point win, and uh, it was uh, uncoincidentally sunny. 
when they're and they all of a sudden looked very good again. And and the quote was, and I quote you, Today, since Exeter on the first day of the season is the first time that we've had some really positive neutral conditions so we can show some of the stuff we used to show. <laughs> what on earth are you talking about? Neutral conditions. The conditions are the same for both sides, Toby. God. And also, how can you have positive neutral conditions? I don't know. It's I'm just, not a scientist, but that no. seems like that's a problem. It's like what he's basically saying is, for the first time since, you know, August, it's actually sunny and now we can play a bit of rugby. But boo fucking who? If you don't like playing in the rain, doesn't mean that's a valid excuse. You don't just then keep being shit until the sun comes out. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that <laughs> rugby has been played between October and April Yeah, it's for not, about 150 years. Hasn't it's, it? it's not a new thing, is it? Rugby league changed it, of course. That's yes. they, were, you know, they had other reasons, but a, yeah. a dying but, sport, for example. But it's just, it's absolutely absurd that one of the silliest things anyone has said ever, certainly this season. So, yes, so pos- the- positive neutral conditions for all. So, what's notable? So, that's the Viva Premiership, the, the, the top we see. Quinn's coming down. Uh, yeah. We've seen Leicester Clark. I mean, Leicester are bastards. You just knew this was going to happen. You couldn't <laughs> get, even when they looked you pretty crap, you just knew, it's, you knew yeah. it was just coming, didn't you? Yeah. Newcastle, Worcester got a big win away at Newcastle as well. Yeah, and London and Irish are. Could, uh, London Irish, let's be honest. They it's all over, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, Worcester have probably, with that win over Newcastle, they've probably saved themselves there. Bath probably put any weird worries about relegation out of the back of their minds as well. So it's going to be a straight dogfight between Newcastle and Irish, and Newcastle are obviously in pole position, I guess. I reckon you know the next the next time they're at home, London Irish, the one of the fans will probably say to the guy next to the Medeski Stadium, "This isn't going too well, is it?" <laughs> I can't hear you. <laughs> speaking of which, I mean, I know we're going to come on to the Pro 12, but speaking of which, Edinburgh versus Connacht this weekend had an attendance of three thousand five hundred and eighty-four in a stadium that seats over seventy thousand. <laughs> Fucking what! How ridiculous! Yeah, is and, that? To, and they, they actually counted the number of pigeons that were fed well, they would have the ground as well, probably because that it's is not... unbelievable. Uh, Edinburgh have only managed to get more than five thousand through the gate. I looked this up because I was so staggered by this. <laughs> They've only managed to get more than five thousand through the gates once in Murrayfield this season, which is when they bafflingly got twenty k against Glasgow. But like, there's got to be a better solution than Edinburgh playing all of their games in a more than like ninety five percent empty stadium. <laughs> Because even, I mean, how much was it cost to break even to get that place open? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm sure they've only got half of, half of one half of one quarter of one stand open, but even so. Yeah, and like, I mean, Scottsdale, the Glasgow Stadium is only six and a half thousand, and they pretty much fill that. And that and feels just... better, doesn't it? That's the exactly, thing. the atmosphere's good then. Like, Edinburgh played in, in the old Meadowbank Stadium until 2006, and that's like been, they've been trying to basically knock it down and build houses for the best part of five years but they keep getting their planning permission rejected so honestly the SIU might as well just spend a bit of cash to give it a lick of paint and go and play there there really is nothing worth yeah because there's loads of stadiums around Edinburgh of course there are yeah and I'm, I remember going to watch Wales versus um, New Zealand in the Rugby League World Cup in 1999 mm. no 2000 and well, anyway when, whenever it was around that time and it was one of the ones where they basically only sold tickets for one Ugh. From the halfway line outwards, yeah. and then the rest of the ground was completely empty. And I had corporate ticket because they worked for Coca Cola. And what was funny was they had Bonnie Tyler, they'd wheeled Bonnie Tyler out, they'd basically <laughs> took her out of formaldehyde and wheeled her out. And she was singing to that crowd, and obviously yes. the cameras were behind her. 
so that on, on Sky yes. it looked like there were people there, but it was, she was there all in purple, <laughs> giving you know, hero, I'm holding up for a hero, like this, and there, there was, a, <laughs> but it was like bouncing off every single surface. Well, that's the thing; it doesn't like it echoes like you're in some sort of church, and it's awful. Like it used to be like that when they used to occasionally play like Cardiff would play regional games in the Millennium Stadium, and they sell about. 20,000 tickets and they wouldn't have the top two tiers open and it's just like no definitely not anyway however however <laughs> there were only 358 that, that number of people at it but it was a good game and a good win for Connor I think it was yeah very good game and uh, the black and red on Twitter have had a massive go at us for not bigging Connacht up last week well I mean they, <laughs> because they, that's, the, that's the Edinburgh Supporters Club by the way they've had a big go at us for not <laughs> yeah I mean Connacht. I I I I was just a bit too annoyed about the whole Sam Davis thing last week. Sorry, yeah, the con- <laughs> there was just too much. Yeah, there was too much rage to include Jinx and Connacht, but I'll have a good go at England later on. So don't worry. Um, speaking speaking of that, well, speaking of Sam Davis and your beloved Ospreys, they lost. Yeah, I mean, it was a tale of two halves, really, uh, like, which was a bit of a theme because a lot of teams were sort of only played for 40 minutes this week and the Ospreys were one of them. They, ex- Leinster were excellent in the first half and the Ospreys were absolutely terrible, but then they were very good in the second half and they could easily have won it in the death with a bit more composure. Um, Dan Baker has started to look like his old self a bit, by the way, which I don't think I've ever seen a player's form dip the way that he did. Like Literally, he looked brilliant until he got dropped from the Wales squad and then it just looked like he was totally shattered mentally and in every facet <laughs> and he's looked terrible but he's he's starting to come back so that was good but yeah I mean that's probably the end of the Ospreys playoff chances and looking at their fixtures yeah they're right down there now aren't they yeah and and those two losses to you know the loss to Connacht last week and now to Leinster it's they've got to think that qualifying for the Champions Cup is going to be a bit of a struggle now too they've got three Welsh derbies coming up next month and, and they're massive games now there's a sort of there's a sort of Welsh cluster of mediocrity between position seven and ten in the <laughs> yes, there is. in the league. Between you know eight, nine, ten is a, is is a Welsh cluster. Then you got Scarlets up in third. Who, who must still fancy their chances, wasn't they? Uh, yeah, I mean they had a they managed to beat uh, Teresa this weekend, but they really should have gotten a bonus point, and they somehow didn't just by being a bit sort of fragile and mentally shit. And that what that's what worries me about them. It's like they've got a hugely talented players when they're all fit and firing um, oh. but I wonder it can't if be relied got, upon can it yeah I wonder if they've got the metal to really do anything in the playoffs it's what I like to call but... the Ben Young's quandary <laughs> yes I know exactly what it you looks mean. like it should work every game but it works one in every seven games yeah and that's kind of what they're doing I mean they only had Treviso this weekend so they were quite fortunate but if they'd have been up against anyone half decent they'd probably have lost and they've got to go away to the Ospreys next week so or whenever the next game is 23rd of March I think so Okay, so that's the Pro 12. Um, Connacht are back on top. Yeah. Leinster, have, Leinster, despite being shit for most of the time, it's like Leicester, like the people who they say... Always, you know, they're always... They're like Leicester, they're basically, they don't look any good a lot of the time, or some of the time, yeah. they end up somehow back up there, but there you go. Yeah, Glasgow have quietly, very like they got a good win against Cardiff, although they were 20-0 up at one point, and they... they I mean, you just managed to sneak with the win in the end, but they've quietly started. After we were saying how shit they looked earlier in the season, and they did, they've quietly started to move up the table and look a bit more like their old selves. I don't think they'll win anything this season, but yeah. And and Munster hammered the Dragons as you would expect. Um, wow. It's kind of predictable, really. They need to change their name, don't they? Because Dragons getting hammered every week doesn't seem right somehow. No. They should call themselves Newts. <laughs> 
keeping it, you know, in theme, but being yes. more realistic. Newtport. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. I tee them up, you smash them out of the park, Josh. That's the way we're going to do it. Right, so that's the end of the review of the weekend very, very mm-hmm. quickly. I'd now like to move on to a feature which I'm calling, because this is what it is, Haskell or Dodgeball. <laughs> Now, Josh, please do do continue. We all know my favourite person, James Haskell. You do love him a little bit. And we all know the game Dodgeball, the game, the film Dodgeball, a true underdog story. Of course. Have you seen it? I have, many years ago. Now, the main character in Dodgeball is a gentleman called White Goodman, played by Ben Stiller, Mm -hmm. who's a grotesque gym monkey, win at all costs person. Yes. Now, I'm going to... What I'm going to do is... <laughs> I can't imagine what the comparison you're yeah, doing there how, is. Where, but... where am I going with this? What I'm no. going to do is, I am going to read out some quotes to you, and right. you have to guess or tell me whether you think it's Haskell or Dodgeball. Right. Did Haskell say it, or did somebody from Dodgeball say it? Now, I warn you, do mm. not be alarmed about the fact that I'm going to do all of this in a comedy American frat pack attempt <laughs> to do, a comedy American frat pack accent, so as not to give it away. Or to I mean, make it sound a that's bit more. the only way to make it fair. I mean, it is the only way for, to make it fair. For science, this is the only way to do Otherwise, it. Otherwise, I'd have to do the Dodgeball ones in an American accent and the Haskell ones talking like a bellend. <laughs> so it's easy if I just go basically for all of it. And it'll be a dead giveaway. So, and it'll be a yeah. dead giveaway. So, first one. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ever ready. You never want to be the guy who talks it up and can't back it up. Training like Tarzan and playing like Jane. Haskell or Dodgeball? <sighs> I mean, it's just bellendy enough that I think it's probably Haskell. Correct. Yes. Play along out there. Yes. Yeah, okay, I'm next one. I'm delighted with that. Right. That's me taking the bull by the horns. It's how I handle business. It's a metaphor. <laughs> Christ, I really hope that's not Haskell for his own sake. Um, it's got to be dodgeball. Sure. It is dodgeball, correct. Yes. Not that I'm competitive or anything, but I'm really taking this seriously. Um I like to break a mental sweat too. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, is it Haskell? No, it's Dodgeball. Oh, bollocks. Here we go. Next one, ready? Yep, I'm ready. I mean, look no further than Mick Jagger. He's 68, still touring, doing two hour gigs, and still dominating. Oh. Oh, now this one's actually very hard. I'm going to say Haskell? Correct. Yes. He actually said that. Wow. Jesus Christ. Next one, you ready? A few more yep. left. You ready? Yep. Do you smell that fitness? I do. <laughs> Please let that be dodgeball. It is dodgeball, yes. <laughs> God for that. Next one. Yep. I have no idea about girlfriends, but handstand push-ups are hard to do. Haskell. <laughs> it is Haskell. <laughs> Ready next one? Yep. Abs are made in the kitchen. God, that's Haskell, isn't it? It is Haskell. You're very good hell. at this. I'm worryingly good at it. I'm just putting myself in the, the James Haskell headspace. It's a terrifying place. E plus M equals D. Embrace and maximize equals domination. That is that's a, a rich vein of James Haskell. Oh, that is a rich That's... vein of James Haskell. <laughs> Outtown population you. Uh, dodgeball. Dodgeball. Yes. Last one. Mm-hmm. 
have the little voices in my head that say give up, but at the end of the day, I get on with it. Hask. Yes, Haskell. Ugh. So there you go, God. Haskell. Oh, you did quite well there. I was very pleased and, and also very competitive with myself there. But, very um, competitive yes. with yourself, but also it's the fact that when you listen to it, you think that sounds like it should be a dodgeball, but yes, I'm actually quite... going to But also, it's probably Haskell. Yeah, that, that was the, the the equation I was doing in my head. <laughs> All of these could be from a bad film, well, a good film with bad motivational quotes, or they could just be James Haskell. So there low. you go, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Let us know how you got on if yes. you played a log out there, which you should have done. Pascal or dodgeball. Hmm. Now then, let's go back to what we always do as soon as I can find the jingle, of course. Mm -hmm. Because God knows I can't find the jingle. Because it is a shit good ratings coming up, ladies and gentlemen. Are we ready? Go. Oh. The shit good ratings. The only rating system that matters. Right back to fucking it up the way it's meant to be. Exactly. On this it, it just adds that sort of people will know then that we're not just these smooth media professionals that we appear most of the time, you know. That's we're, true. We're human there's, too. There's so many people out there will be thinking that all of yeah. the time. <laughs> right then, shit good ratings. Let's yes. let, let's do let's do good first, just because let's. I'm feeling like, like like being nice for a little while. Let's do yes. good first. Go on then, Josh, give cool. us one. My first good um is if you were watching uh Newcastle versus Worcester are on Friday night on BT Sport. You might have seen the BT Sport cameras uh, delve into the the Worcester dressing room before uh, before kick off and catch a wonderful wonderful scene of uh, former Wales hooker and now Warriors coach Mevin Davis having a quick pre match piss, which. I mean, these are the risks you take when you go into. Everybody who plays rugby knows that there'll be somebody having a piss or a shit before exactly the game quite quickly. I, I've often felt that the level of intrusion of cameras into private spaces in sport is going a bit far, and this was kind of <laughs> the icing on the cake. Like, I mean, in part, the blame has to go to David uh, to Davis for not actually having the decency to shut the door behind him while he's taking. But the he's in a pri he's in the private he's space in, the in his dressing yeah. room. Yeah, it was amazing, more, as much for the moment as for the total silence from the commentators that greeted it as if they just genuinely didn't know what to say <laughs> having just broadcast a man taking a piss to an audience of millions. Um, so they just started laughing hysterically because why wouldn't you? And it is and brilliant. If look at BT Sport, I've got a video of myself or Josh will put it up after we've done yes. this because it is, the commentary is blinding. Yes, and at least he wasn't taking a dump. But what's even funny is that when he pans back out, he's coming. Oh, he comes out. He's with coming out a clipboard with, under with a clipboard under his arm, <laughs> and all I could think was, I bet he doesn't wash his hands. No, definitely. I bet he just not. walks straight back out. Definitely not. He's got. I mean, he's holding his clipboard in his hands while he's taking a piss. There's no. There's no way he's washing his hands there. He's probably oh. lobbing it on the clipboard to hold it up. <laughs> he's just shaking it off. He was known as the clipboard when he played for Wales. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. That was all. That was all made up. But that is absolutely yes, brilliant. By the way, it was amazingly brilliant. Um, slightly more seriously on the good front, uh, Matt Kvesic. Look, there must be a serious a reason that like several England coaches now have taken a look at him and decided to pass but he just seems to keep putting in all these performances at premiership level that are head and shoulders above any other English open side out there and he did it again on the weekend he absolutely totally got the better of George Smith who's kind of been one of the best open sides in the Prem this year and he's a big part of why Gloss won I just don't see why he's not worth a shot like I can't imagine he'd be worse than Haskell well I think you know, you know my opinion on that one well yeah but, uh, but... 
I think it's the um, never mind just the breakdown stuff. The other stuff that Haskell and actually, to be fair, Rob Shaw either doesn't do. Look at Scotland yeah. and the, the the support running their back row does. Yeah. And then look at all the England ones. Forget a breakdown for a minute. That's what I miss with England, and I'm sure Jones must want that to come forward soon because that's the kind of player he is. But that's the thing that's that's lacking. I think you know that you notice more than anything is that something that Kvesi does do is actually do something like that as well as the breakdown. Yeah. Yeah, because it can't just be about tackling and lying on the floor and getting penalised. Surely. No, it's just got to be. There's got to be a third way with that. And yeah, I just don't. Like, it's weird to me that that successive England coaches now have, have sort of not even given him a, a roll of the dice with it it's kind of a bit harsh really um, oh, next one and yeah next uh, is Ben Teo uh, Leinster centre it amuses to me to say that Teo is a six foot two seventeen stone reminder of what England could have had if the Sam Burgess thing had actually panned <laughs> out but it's actually true like he had a pretty rocky start to his union career when he swapped the Rabbitohs yeah. for Leinster two years ago as well but like Unlike Slamming Sam, he's actually been able to quietly go about learning the game at the inside centre position, away from the spotlight, and he's gotten better all the time. And he really showed in front of the sky cameras on the weekend what a fantastic player he's become um, against the Ospreys. He was his power game is is unreal. He was smashing through tackles left and right, putting in handoffs, everything, big hits, and he showed a lovely range of passing, offloading as you'd expect as well. Like he was unplayable in that first half, and. And he signed for Worcester next season, and they might have wanted to to break the bank with uh, Manny Tuilagi. But I say arguably Teo could be equally effective without all of the fucking. I think he's got he's got he's got better hands than Tuilagi. He's yeah. still he's still well like Tuilagi. I think he's still massively overvalued. I mean his, his agent must be laughing his tits off when he oh, got God, that yeah, deal. Oh god, yeah, the amount of money that they're talking putting on is crazy. But he's turned into a very decent club twelve. Yeah. And, yeah. Speaking of um, Club 12s, mm. Kyle Eastman? Yeah, I mean, for all the talk of England's centre problems, again, you've got to wonder what Kyle Eastman could offer in that 12 shirt because he was really, well, they really tri- good. They tried him in New Zealand, didn't they? And then gave up. And then, like, well, they, they took him off at half time and it wasn't going yeah. very well. And I remember I fumed on the blog at the time. I thought it was an actual. For all Lancaster's talk of character and treating people in the right way, I thought that was an absolutely <laughs> despicable thing to do to a player because none yeah. of it was going particularly well. No, and why would you like pick on him just? And he'd he had one, be... yeah, he'd had one decent cap the game before, and then it wasn't yeah. going very well. I think again, you know, it lends more that lent more credence, and maybe that's why he doesn't get a look in again to this whole idea of Farrell making the calls because I think Farrell probably went to Lancaster and said the system's not working because of something Eastman's doing the defensive system yeah not not even his tackling just just no, something just he's doing something is not about, right yeah. he needs to go and he was never seen again was he no and it's, it's I mean, you, you sort of he gave such a reminder of what his quality can be in Bath's win over London Irish like he set up what two tries which by just having the pace and the, the vision to just slot through gaps and then give a pass and that's I've never That's understood such a why simple but brilliant skill. I've never understood why they didn't play him at fullback a bit more, but maybe they did. I also he was young, <laughs> he was a scrum half in league. He was, and, yeah. and I've never I he came over young enough to be a scrum half have, again, yeah. Because the the way he runs and and stuff, he would be a bit like uh, the Fijian guy at Bath, whose name I always escapes me. Oh yes, name. yeah, uh, Matuwalu, yeah, Matuwalu. I, I always want to say Manawatu, which is I know he's wrong. <laughs> um, he, um, yeah. You know, he would be that kind of player, but probably with a bit more sense. 
Yeah, and I mean, even, like, I know he's a tiny little man, but Matt Kitto's only 5 foot 10, and he probably weighs less than Eastman does, and Jones didn't do a bad job of making him an international 12 either. So He obviously doesn't fancy him, though, does he? Because he's taking no. Devoto ahead of him. And yes. Eastman's ahead of Devoto. Yeah. Go figure. Just so odd, anyway. Yeah. Um, next up, speaking of players that are weirdly ignored by their national coaches, Noah Nakatathi, Claremont winger. He's yeah. played for France. He's He's got, like, what, you know... A handful of caps scored some tries and yet he is still being ignored by Guy Noves for Vakatawa a man who clearly has no idea how to play 15s and he tried to call David Smith into the squad when he's an all like a New Zealander and yet he scored a fabulous hat trick for Claremont on Friday night and you just you watch him and think he's like 23 or something and I'd if I he was Welsh I'd start him for the England game tomorrow you know he's is he in the Six Nations squad for France? I don't I think he is, no. If he is, he hasn't got Well, he got can't a look. be, can he? Because why would he have Smith in there? Or why is he yeah. not to rank? And yeah. He hasn't got a look in if he is. I don't, but I don't think he's at all. And it's baffling because he's clearly, you know, very, yeah. very good. And, OK, he had that moment against England a year or two ago where he nearly stepped into in-goal area because he was showboating a little bit. But, God, <laughs> yeah, you can't sort of, you can't ignore talent like that. It's baffling. From a good point of view, Adam Gower on Twitter said in uh, the Exeter, um, Exeter were sorry were good for the last last thirty minutes of shit for the first fifty minutes versus Leicester. Yeah, which is pretty and then, much kind of what Rob Baxter said, wasn't it? Yeah, and then Tony Sylvester came on and said the exact opposite, but from Leicester's <laughs> point of view. Yes, <laughs> um, uh, Tuilagi was was very very good. Again, it amused me afterwards. Um, Richard Cockrell's continued protestations that he's not ready to play for England again they're starting to sound a bit like that kid who doesn't want the big boy to steal his packed lunch by telling him there's nothing good in there you know it's like yes it's clearly if if Eddie doesn't pick him in the 23 I think he'll regret it well he's because... been called back to Penny Hill Park this morning so yes and... it looks like it's uh... yeah I, mean, you, I just think a fired up Tuilagi being unleashed after 60 minutes against Wales could quite comfortably win England the game and yeah it's yeah he's clearly Right. Remember how good he is when he's fit and firing. He is very, very good. He's still very limited for me, though. He is big and he is strong and he is. But it'd be interesting. Well, we'll, we'll talk about this when we talk about England yes, Wales yeah, preview yeah. later on. Hmm. Okay. So, so Manu later on. Anything else in the good bits? Um, yes, two little ones. Jamaica. Um, it's it's ridiculous and incredible that qualifying for Rugby World Cup 2019 has started already. But hands off to them for getting. Um, the win in their opening qualifier against St Vincent and the Grenadines exciting Ooh, stuff big tie um, and also good this weekend the Sunwolves uh, they had a bye week and realistically that's probably going to be as good as it gets them this season. So, <laughs> the highlight the of back... the season was when we didn't yep. have to play that week <laughs> we got an automatic five points from having a bye week I can't work out the Super Rugby fixture list it confuses the shit out of me I think it's... the combination of the time zone and everybody, all the groups and everything so else because I, I know, I'm not a clever man really but I do I get, I'm not, I'm going to pretend I'm not easily confused but yeah it's, uh, it's Re- freaky rely on sports administrators to make something to do with their league labyrinth and confusing I have no idea how the Pro 12 establishes European qualification anymore it makes no sense to me at all um, and I don't understand how Super Rugby works anymore either so yeah right so that was the good stuff let's have a yes. look at the shit stuff that's been happening this week and something yes. that's been doing the rounds quite strongly pretty much everywhere we'll have to mention it here was Sebastian Bezzi's attempt at a, at a conversion for Toulouse oh dear me I mean 
if to you win the game it was by the it way was to, I mean, it wasn't they, like they, it's a laugh it was to win yeah, the game they got a charge down they were trailing by five they got a charge down try under the post from Luke McAllister with the clock in red Luke McAllister and a, who must be 59 years old yes now. exactly and and Sebastian Vesey had a chip shot conversion that anyone and their nan could bang over and surely you'd think the international goal kicking scrum off would, would make a foregone conclusion wouldn't you but yeah, if you haven't seen the video, Christ, have a look through it on Twitter or YouTube or whatever. It's it's awful. He just he's way too close, and then he dithers after starting his run up. <laughs> he's yeah. charged down in a draw, and and his trajectory and his trajectory's all wrong. Oh God! I do like the way he just kind of turns around quite stony faced and kind of just yeah. shows his teeth and kind of pops <laughs> yeah. up. Yeah. It reminds me of Eric Morgan with playing the piano when somebody says you play the wrong notes, <laughs> he just kind of pulls that face as if like you know I'm not going to address this much. Yes, I mean, in fairness to him, yeah, after the game, he, he put his hands up and was like, yes, I probably should have moved the kick back. I, it's my fault I shouldn't have put it so close. It's like, really, no shit. Um, but yeah, that was dreadful. Another dreadful thing that I saw this week um, was, did you catch any of the Saracens-Northampton game by any chance? I didn't. At the end of that, Saracens were trailing by five. Um, with the clock in red and for some reason Nils Mort just decided to leather the ball into touch and end the game and it's like yeah they were in their own 22 but they, he basically just gave up and decided to and his teammates sort of turned to him and looked at him as if to say what the fuck did you do that for we could have fucking you know, do it <laughs> yeah at the very least they could have had an attempt at getting Bizarre. You know, going the length it was unlikely but yeah very odd <coughs> um Another We've all been there thing. to win games. Oh, I can't be asked for this no more. Yeah, it was just very funny to see a professional player basically go, lads, this is it's not been a day. Let's just fucking get back in the changing rooms and go home. But very odd. Another weird thing I noticed this this weekend was that there seemed to be a weird epidemic of dropping the ball over the line instead of scoring. I noticed three distinct examples of of players who should absolutely have scored dropping the ball over the line. There was... Adam Thompson for the Rebels against um, against the Bulls, which, I mean, you don't get 30-odd caps for the All Blacks and the World Cup winner's medal by being shit, but God, if you haven't seen this one, it's fist-chewingly awful because he takes a scoring pass on the wing out on his own in acres of space, secures it in two hands, is getting ready to sort of slide and drop the ball down, and then it's almost like there's a frame missing because the next thing you know... The, his hands have fallen off and the ball has somehow been spilled over the line then Mark Bennett got a little bit cocky in the Cardiff-Glasgow game attempted to dot the ball down one-handed in the in-gold area and dropped it cost Glasgow a bonus point and finally Ben Foden went airborne uh, over in the corner against Sarri to try and avoid getting tackled into touch but somehow with ball in both hands managed to drop the ball over the line when holding it and I'm just I can't remember the last time I saw three examples of that sort of thing in the, and they didn't do anything wrong they I mean, were all holding know, the ball in I mean Bennett arguably you know, be fair be Josh putting the ball down on the ground is one of the hardest things you could probably ask a, <laughs> a grown up adult to do you know you have to <laughs> exactly. be fair to them but uh, that's the thing that none yeah, of so them that did anything wrong it was just like yeah weird um, one thing that was good I wasn't sure whether this should be under good for comedy value it's definitely under good but um, for competency no and that is uh, Bulls fullback Warwick Gallant kicking Jan Surfontaine up the arse, which <laughs> this was absolutely brilliant. I'm not sure if it's this or Mevin that's my favourite thing this week, but again, if you haven't seen it, vines are your friend. It is amazing. Um, 
yeah, basically balls fall back. Warwick Gallant takes the ball inside his own twenty-two and and made to click um, to kick to clear and helpfully sent to Jan Surfontaine ducks down right in front of him to make the kick easier. But instead of doing that, all he actually does is that Surfontaine is bent over perfectly for him to not only kick the ball up his ass but then to nail him with the follow through. So, um, in this, it's it's. Pop, like, if you remember Father Ted, it's proper kicking Bishop Brennan up the arse level slapstick. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing. And it nearly well, led to a... what... When they show the slow motion afterwards as well, it properly shows you from behind being kicked from the arse. And because it's yes. so slow, you can you see get... the arse cheek yes. ripples and everything. <laughs> which, which, if nothing else, I mean, Sir Fontaine's not going to enjoy seeing that any more than anyone else will. But, I mean, it's... Uh, the fact that it nearly led to a rebels try as well, because that was technically it was charged down. I mean, arsed down, I suppose, really. But and uh, they had to go back and cover. But yeah, amazing, amazing stuff. And uh, my final. I was kind shit. of. I was kind of fantasized. I was. Oh, sorry, I, know, I was kind of fantasi- I was kind of fantasizing about that one with Sir Fonte because there's something even funnier for me about the South African accents on the commentators as they were oh, getting. Yes. Kind of worked so up, good. and I always felt I wanted him to kind of go. Oh, he's 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 kicked him right up the hoop there. That's a kind of really bad something. <laughs> it didn't Wasn't quite awesome. work yeah. that way, but it was still very, very, very. Oh, it was amazing. Funny. Uh, yeah, my final shit of the week is the Queensland Reds, um, who are just dreadful. And this year, leaving certificate students have new choices via the CAO. Whether you're going straight into the world of work or exploring routes to third level, further education and training and apprenticeships offer you flexible, hands-on learning opportunities. The future is full of possibilities. Whatever your ambition, further education and training and apprenticeships can help take you there. Your future is what you make it. Learn more at cao.ie forward slash options. This is an initiative of the Government of Ireland. Oh no, is it everywhere? No, sure, stay and sort that out. We can have dinner another time. Amazing. Whether it's cancelled plans... Ah, Get in the kitchen and calm down. ...or the need for a quick, convenient distraction. Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect that cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected. They sacked their coach today. It's it's, it's the the no-quake problem. Well, they've lost everybody, but, I mean... They've sat their coach two games into the season after giving him like a vote of confidence at the end of last season when they were shit, and it's just a shambles over there, like dreadfully bad. Right, so that was the uh, end of shit. But I just just a quick mm. mention of some stuff that's come up on the Twitter, uh, Josh. Uh, Patrick James, and I think he might be saying this before, has, has decided to have another pop at Steve Tandy. <laughs> he does not like Steve saying Tandy. That he is that a, guy. No, he says he's he's an absolutely terrible forwards coach and can't pick players to save his <laughs> life again, which is something that's quite common. Yeah, coming I'm out definitely from noticing a, a, a sort of general theme on that, and, and there's a lot of I don't, I'm not a massive fan of Steve Tandy. Don't get me wrong, but I, I think he does a pretty decent job. I, d- I do like the way that on Wikipedia it says he was appointed <laughs> he was appointed coach of the Ospreys as a part of a cost cutting exercise. Yes. There's was, a vote of confidence was, for you. Yeah. <laughs> we want him, but no. we can't afford him. So it was basically Scott Johnson ruined any hope of any high profile coaches ever coming to the Ospreys ever again. And so yeah, Steve Tandy. I don't think he's done a bad job, I don't think he's amazing, but Loads of people were saying about Bezzy and the shit bit or the good well, bit. I mean, again, yeah, we couldn't quite work out. There. 
Right then, so let's have a look at as the last bit of the shit stuff. We we have to mention of hashtag course. shitwatch. It's, it's arguably why we're here now. Because it's now gone back to Zebra. Well, it's gone back to Italy. I it's mean, returned. It back. It's returned to yes. a spiritual home, I think, in Italy. And what a way to well, make exactly. a return! Exactly. I said that last week. Ulster Shitwatch seemed a little bit wrong, and they demonstrated that fact in pretty comprehensive style. Thirty-two nil is is how you shake zip. off the ignominy of the Shitwatch title. I think, isn't it? And then next week, Zebra, I think, have to go. If I remind myself. I've looked at the Zebra fixtures. They have to go to Munster away. Yeah. <laughs> Looking at their fixtures, the only game that I can see where it look, I think, yeah, maybe they might sneak a win there is they got Dragons at home last game of the season. <laughs> what did maybe. you christen that? I don't, can't... What did we the Shitter Bowl. Shit bowl. <laughs> the Shitter Bowl, yes, we did call it that. And that's that's literally the only... Otherwise, this could be another Treviso. This could run and run, because it's... I, I really hope so. It, it feels better when it runs and runs. I don't like this... Passing the Shitwatch trophy around like the 1973 Barbarians thing. It's not nice. Just stick with it and run with it, fellas. We should have a kind of a, a vase or a cup or something to give whoever's should, got it at the end should, of the season, shouldn't we? We should send it. To, we should get a, one of those shitty little... Down the market, plastic trophies made and send it to and Zebra mail it to the headquarters. Our... Assuming <laughs> it is Zebra, be quite interesting if it's wow. just some freak last game result ends up mm. bringing it somewhere else. But who knows? They might so, just go and beat Monster away next week now, just to fuck with us. It's Monster away. Then they've got Edinburgh away. No, no. Glasgow at home. Unlikely. Ulster at home. No. Um, where am I looking? Glasgow away again. They're just doing a, a no. shuttle between Scotland and Italy. So <laughs> the next. Um, then who they got? New. Yeah, last game of the season is. I think you're right. You know, I think I think that the shit the shit cup decider probably appropriately be, needs to be between. Be I mean, ideally it would be an Italian derby, but we've already had one of those this season. So. So it'll be Zebra versus the Newtport Gwent Newts <laughs> to, for, to decide who gets the shit cup to take home. And I think, to be honest. I'd be proud of my season if that's what I took home. I think there's something to play for. Uh, yeah. So that was the shit good ratings, the only rating system that matters. Lovely stuff. Lovely stuff. Right, moving on then. <laughs> uh, we've had a re- we had a request uh, on Twitter from David who said that he'd like to see the return of some of the older features, which is you know how the hell did he like, did he get a cap? Mm. And uh, so we brought this week back, we brought you Dirty Get Back. Oh, what about that? Send him off! Send the Dirty Get off! Get him off the field! Yes, to look at some, fun. To look at the full uh, Hall of Infamy that is the You Dirty Get Hall of Infamy, which is what mm-hmm. where we look at particularly heinous and noteworthy bits of cheating, some of which are kind of funny, some of which are not. Some of which are quite disgraceful. And this week is one of the ones that falls into that latter category of being <laughs> something... It's kind of a bit of everything, really, isn't it? It's kind of a bit of everything. It is. Yeah. It is like the, the the pantomime bogeyman of doing bad stuff. Yes. On on, on a sports field, because we're going to take a look at the uh, legendary uh, Bloodgate. It's it's still amazing to me that this happened in the professional era. Can you believe it was two thousand and nine? I know. It's if like, you've asked was... me, I said it was about three years ago, but it wasn't. It was seven years ago, nearly. Oh Christ! Well, I, but it feels like it should have happened in about nineteen eighty four. 
because like <laughs> how how anyone would what, even the book? think well yeah <laughs> but like that's well yes because how anyone would think <laughs> yeah. that they could they could get away with that in an era where every inch of the field and stands are covered by cameras and replayed over and over is absolutely beyond me but yet not only did it happen by all accounts they did it four times before they got caught so those of you who maybe have been in a coma for a long time or just arrived mm. from another planet in case you don't know what we're talking about Oh, you're very young. <laughs> in two thousand, <laughs> in two thousand, like like me and Josh, in oh, two thousand and nine, yes. uh, Heineken Cup quarterfinal, Quinns had no subs left. They were playing Leinster. Yes. In the quarterfinals, okay. it was a very low-scoring game. It was six-five to Leinster. Yes. Mike Brown had scored for for Quinns, and uh, they had no subs left. And it was in drop goal time, but they had no subs to bring on. Nick Evans had come off injured for Quinns. And they wanted to get Nick Evans back on to have a pop at kicking a drop goal. Even though, to be fair, he, he was he was on one leg, literally, wasn't he? But he had a oh, God, yeah. strapping all on one leg. Yeah. So what they did was, well, there was a blood injury. And because it was blood, Nigel Owens was refereeing. And he if was. you look at the video, there's a very clear thing of him saying, he's all right to go off for blood. He can get somebody else off for blood, he says when he comes back on. Mm. Tom Williams, who was... He was English stroke Welsh, Tom Williams, wasn't he? He still is, I imagine. Something like that, yes. He yeah. played Wales in the 19s, then played for England. And he was a winger, young winger. I think he was 24 at the time, 25, mm. something like that. He he went on, came off with a bloody nose, bloody mouth, blood coming out of his yes. mouth, and on went Nick Evans, went to do the drop goal, missed, and yes. that was the end of that. However, there was some stuff started to be talking about. Well, that blood didn't look very real. Well, yeah, but didn't didn't uh, Leicester winger at the time was it Jordan Murphy? Um, shouted as he went off that the blood it was fake because right. he was obviously close. Um, I think yeah, there was some, some sort of apocryphal thing that he had just shouted at the bench. Basically, that's fake blood. Come on. <laughs> um, and I mean, the fact that the, the only reason they actually got caught and that a big fuss was made of it is that because he's a fucking Tom Williams, with the greatest respect to him, was a bloody idiot and decided to give a theatrical wink to the bench like he said James and Dean Richards as Barbara Windsor. And What's even funny sick. as well is that he limps as he's coming off. He actually yes. does like a comedy he's limp like, as well. That's he's a really, so he's like there, this like incredibly non-blood looking blood. It's yes. like really bright, like well, well, it was joke a, shop blood. Yeah, it was bought in a joke shop in Richmond the day before or something and ridiculous. He's, and he's winking like and pretending to do a limp, even though nothing. Yeah. But he, it's I mean, so incompetently amateur. It's like hardly the Black Sox scandal, is it? It's like... It and the just... thing is, he, he was banned quite quickly, Tom Williams, wasn't he? Because it came what, out quite yeah. quickly, and and everybody else was cleared. It was a cl- it was basically like the phone tapping scandal. Mm. Some poor bastard got sacked, and that woman who looks like Sideshow Bob ends up living in a mansion <laughs> for the rest yeah, of the Yeah, well, life. that was the thing. It was such a shitty cover up. Like they had the team doctor like slicing his lip to create a real injury. She which... was put in front of the GMC eventually. Yeah, she, she, she was. She wasn't struck off. Even no. though she'd used, she deliberately harmed somebody with yeah, consent. Yeah, used a stitch cutter. Yeah, well, he well, basically is... told her to do it. But like the, Richard and and the Quinn staff initially just seemed happy to let Tom Williams carry the can for Which it. Which was particularly disgraceful because he wouldn't Which have really volunteered. He wouldn't have thought of this himself, would he? Oh God, no. But this I is mean, Richard is. That... Go on, carry on. Richard you is back that... in the game now, isn't he? He is. And so after he's after in three Newcastle. years, and but and... Inter- just listen to what he says at the end of the game, right? when he was mm. interviewed and it was quite obvious that Graeme Simmons was interviewing him knew exactly what had happened if you listened to the interview because <laughs> listen hand on heart was Tom Williams bleeding when he came off he came off with a cut in his mouth the issue is, is whether he was injured uh, and uh, and you have a right if somebody has a cut to bring them off which is what we, we decided to do so your conscience is clear on that one yeah very much so good luck with the rest of the good season thing. Dean thank you very much indeed okay, no. that is shameless isn't it 
Yeah, you either get, you know, so you can't. He obviously knew because what kind of journalist asks the question? So your conscience is clear on that one then. Yeah. That's a strange yeah. question because he, he, he knew, really didn't did. he? Absolutely. So, and, and obviously, this because he's a journal, Graham Simmons. He seems a bit of a tit sometimes. I think he's actually quite a good journal, Graham Simmons, on the quiet. And I think, and he would have. He's around the pitches all the time. He must have heard what was going on. Yeah, what? especially if they'd done it four times. But you'd think, as an ex-copper, Dean Richards would know a little bit more about making a crime look convincing, wouldn't you? You think, as an ex-copper, as a copper from the eighties. Yeah, he, he, I think know about covering he'd be up very comfortable shit. with making shit up and covering it up. Yeah, and obviously he'd be better at it. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. It took them four months to actually nail him for it. Well, nobody was how... interested in looking, were they? <coughs> no, it, it was, was only after a, lo- a prolonged campaign to say, "No, you need to look at him as well." Yeah, rather than this. I mean, I'm not. You know, he was a he was a fully grown man, Tom Williams, and responsible Absolutely. for what he did. But you know. It it had it very much stank of the just find one cyclist who's doped and don't look at the fact that the team managers are telling them they had to do it type of thing. Yes, yeah, it, but, it was um, so dodgy. And what annoys me about it, right, more than anything, is that I love rugby. We love rugby. We do this because we love rugby, right? Mm. And one of the things I we always make a point about rugby is that it's a different sort of game to some other types of game, right? And yeah. it's, it's the, we've got something different about it now. This ignores the fact that for years we were all literally deliberately <laughs> maiming each other. Well, yes, and blinding and, and, each other, and that was okay. And now that's been stamped on. Yeah. But this, for me, how we can still stand there after this and say, well, for a start, Richards is back in the in the, in the thing, and everyone yeah. and everyone did that rank apologism when he was back about how he was a, you know, a good man to have around rugby, and you can't believe it. Well, no, because he orchestrated this. Yeah, and it's pre like I mean, don't get me wrong, all coaches and all rugby players cheat. Yes, it is kind of the fabric of the game. But it's not pre- it's, it's, but it's a different kind of cheating. There's technical this... cheating and hands in the rook and opportunistic yeah. cheating like that. And then yeah. there's this kind of calculated conspiracy cheating. of cheating. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I don't like the fact that he came back to the game so quickly and it was all brushed under the carpet so quickly. I just he did a really... every time you see him, you just think, oh god. I and he did a, he did a, he did an awful interview with the Guardian when he came back, said he was an older and wiser man. It was like you were like. Hmm. A fully experienced international and an ex-policeman when you fucking did it. Yeah. How can you stand there now and go, oh well, I'm an older and wiser person? Now you knew exactly what you were doing and you got caught. And tough he shit. Got caught. And yeah, it's it, the whole thing was so damaging. Not just you know it was ruinously damaging for Quinns, of course, and there's a permanent black mark on the history and reputation of the club for it. But like for rugby as a whole, it was just such a horrible, fucking nasty moment of pulling back the curtains and revealing how. Duplicitous things could yeah, be. Yeah, because I think rugby, rugby plumbed greater depths of <clears> disgracefulness <throat> than any other sort of on field team sport has for quite some time. Because this was this wasn't individual doping or anything like that. No. This was you know, if this had been football, there'd have been questions asked in Parliament about this. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and for what? It was so pointless to try and game the blood replacement rules. It's just such a sort of To get to European s- semi final. Yeah, it's such a stupid thing to do. Like, yeah, it's it was such a needless act of cheating and such a needless because obviously it didn't work because bringing Nick Evans back on when he was already clearly fucking crock didn't help at well, all. Well, thank anyway. God it didn't really. Well, God, you because you couldn't because you couldn't game? undo the result, could you? Even with all the fines and everything, you couldn't undo no. the result. So, 
there is that. But yeah, that was quite. You just normally we have a bit of a laugh with your dirty get. I suppose we did really with Tom James's limp, Tom Williams's limp. But uh, yes. but yeah, that that was your dirty get. The return of it, which is Bloodgate. Any suggestions for your dirty get out there? Mm. By the way, you can get in touch with us at, at Blood and Mud or Josh is on at Josh Gardner. Please let us know what's going on. This podcast podcast is available on SoundCloud, on iTunes. If you're listening on iTunes, it's particularly helpful if you just give us take a couple of seconds to give us a quick, quick rating and tell us what you think good or bad mm-hmm. we don't mind but it just it helps us uh, get us our word out there it is just me and josh electronically webifying ourselves through a let's be honest josh what is our skype connection like most of the time fairly dreadful fairly dreadful honest. but we battle on through for you out there so if you we can take troopers. a couple of minutes um uh, if we if you like spending an hour with us every week then please take a couple of minutes just to let us know right so that was your dirty get mm. thank you very much josh we're going to move on now to the preview of this weekend six nations because it's coming back this weekend yes indeed let's talk about the massive fixture of the weekend which is ireland versus italy yes i mean this it is doesn't get much bigger it? than this it certainly doesn't i mean yeah after ireland's performance against england a fortnight ago um this this is going to be a fairly comfortable Ireland win you'd imagine wouldn't you if it was uh, italy if it was italy at home I'd might yeah. be thinking maybe maybe I still think they'd lose but maybe yeah I would be a little bit torn but in Dublin I don't think so Ireland look a lot well they look, look they look like you know Ireland they look better than Italy so yes exactly and I'm like I think Italy have probably shot their bolt now I think they they kind of gave it their best shot against Scotland and, and they have no was, pack and they have no pack and you know it's kind of what have they got left to play for now. I read on so Twitter the other day and it could it. have it could have been wrong that somebody said Jared Payne's likely to start at fullback. Was that a joke? Yes. No. Well, there's a lot. There's a, certainly a school of thought in Ireland that he has always looked better at fullback for Ulster than he ever has at thirteen. Mm. And, and with McCloskey and, and Henshaw looking so and good yes, last week. So, so the, and basically, I think the fact that Rob Carney is shite now and has clearly passed it as far as his career goes, he's he's, he's very much on the downward spiral. I think they've he was massively talked up anyway. I thought well, for yeah. a long period of time. But there he's you go. Good under the high ball and a good finisher, but and he had a big boot. But he's kind of he's clearly not the player that he once was, and certainly not at the moment. His form is not up to it at all. And there's there's a school of thought that thinks maybe. Because Payne is obviously a very talented player, even if he is a bit of a big lump, and he might do a better job at fifteen than either Zebo or Carney has. And then you let this Henshaw McCloskey centre partnership have a few games and see how it goes. So that's Ireland versus Italy. I mean, not much more to be said. I think no, it's Italy aren't going to win. They they are slowly oozing towards uh, the wooden spoon, basically. Yes. Although the backs do look better, there will be a bit of a handful, but they're still going to lose. Yeah, I, I think that there's there's some raw material for Conor O'Shea to work with there, if and when he does officially get confirmed. And you know, all is not lost for Italy, but certainly for this year, they they they're done. Have you seen anybody who looks like they give less of a shit than Jack Brunel right now? He looks like <laughs> he gives even less of a shit than he did when he gave a shit, which is quite some yes. going. He gives even less of a shit than Danny Cipriani does right now, and that is impressive. He looks like a caricature drawing of a of a cartoon French policeman. <laughs> Yes. If you had like if you had the if you had the gendarme's hat on him, he'd look like some of a Pink Panther uh, <laughs> cartoon. He looks like he should live in Asterix's village and True. just sort of be sitting there gently tossing a rugby ball back and forth while not really giving a shit. <laughs> right then, let's go. We'll just go chronologically, shall we? Let's look at England yes. versus Wales, which is the big game of the weekend. It is the big. I mean, 
don't, you don't want to hype it too much, but it's the tournament decider. I mean, less the hype train for this thing is going to become comically overblown by Saturday evening. So Can you imagine the butler was. montage? Oh my god! I mean, have you did you see the BBC Wales thing that they did? It was some dramatic reading of a poem by some actress who I think is in some American TV show, but is Welsh. Um, oh, I don't know. It's quite good actually, but it was just like, God, here we go! It's Monday. And we're already getting to that level of. I saw before the France game that bloke from the, the really evil assistant from House of Cards was. Yes. Involved this is in something. Some girl from Gotham, I think she's in, but she's quite attractive, to be frank. <laughs> um, and, um, <laughs> and yes, uh, she's doing some sort of dramatic poem reading. And it's just, I mean, they're quite good and they're quite sort of stirring, but it's like. For, Crying out loud, everybody! How overblown! I want to know how you get? get that job. The bloke who puts yeah. together those montages, or the woman <laughs> who puts together those montages. Do they yeah. advertise it? Probably all in Welsh. Remember probably they had Welsh Flavor Flav last year. That was the weirdest no? one. They had. How Flavor did I miss Flav- Flavor Flav? I think it was Flavor Flav doing it for the under twenties. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just Google that for a minute <laughs> to make sure that that wasn't some weird right, well, cheese go- stream. I you had. Google Flavor Flav. I'll give you my views on the. <laughs> On the England game, it's all about Manu yes, as we said do. before playing. I think it's interesting. He's been playing twelve for Leicester. Now, in my memory mm. serves, and I could be wrong, and tell me if I am wrong out there. He's yes. mostly played as a thirteen. Yes, that's what he does because he's big and he's quick, and he gets a he gets on the outside shoulder and he attacks that weaker side of things. He's not really played twelve much. Jones. Now, I don't know whether it's through being forced or whether because this is the game he wants to play. Has been playing Farrell at twelve. This mm. slightly more expansive game. And a number of England's tries have come in that sort of 13 channel. Yeah. So I think it'll be interesting to see, even when he does make an appearance, I think he will make an appearance at some point, yes. whether he actually comes on in place of Joseph. I mean, yeah, it, it certainly fits the, the Jones mould to not... Because he is moving the ball away from the rook much quicker. Yeah, and as we've discussed you know, in times past, there are two ways to play 12. You either you know, you, you're direct and you straighten the line and you pass, or you are the you know the distributing sort of Matt Gitto style 12 and he does definitely seem to be favouring that and it would be quite a sort of radical departure in tactics and game plan you'd imagine to put a big fucking bosher like Tuilagi in there because it, so. that, I think that's the interesting thing about picking Devoto mm. who he wants as that kind of distributor to cover 10 and 12 as well I think it, it yeah. suggests to me I know he's doing a lot of short term stuff at the minute but I don't mm. think this is particularly short term I think I don't know the man's mind, but I, I get the impression this is the kind of get, this is the kind of twelve he wants. Somebody who yes. straightens the attack, but can actually make the attack go mm-hmm. wide if it needs to. I think there was definitely a. Um, you think of of uh, what's his name, Exeter centre, come fly off, whose name has suddenly evaporated from my brain. Henry Slade. Uh, uh, Slade, yes, yes. Um, he's, you know, that's kind of his perfect twelve in in many ways. I think because he's got the physicality that perhaps. And the comfortableness yeah. playing centre that Farrell perhaps hasn't, but he can also play, you know, basically as a second ten. And you imagine that when he's fit and firing, that that he's going to probably be, yeah, very much in the shout there. But yeah, no, I think Manny's got a feature at some. I just don't think you can ignore a player who can have an impact like he can certainly late in the game. Um, I don't either. I, I think it's just this clamour that once he's like with Lancaster that once he's fit he's in and the entire team's built around the fact that he can carry the yeah, ball no, hard you don't, you know? don't want to do that and I think Jones is too strong a character for that as well I don't think that he will be quite so pandering you know he's got his game plan and as far as Jones is concerned I think you know he will do, do you know what I like the players about, to fit that do you know what I like about Jones in this job 
and I mean mm. this in the best possible way. He doesn't give a shit. Yeah. I mean that in the best possible way. I don't mean that he wants to lose. I think he doesn't give a shit in the right way because he's go- he comes and goes. This is what I do. This is what I'm going to do, and I'm not yes. going to get worked up about passion and culture mm. and where the fucking rose and all of that shit. I'm just going <laughs> to come in and do a professional fucking job. Yeah, and he, and that's the thing. It's kind of people have, you know, slightly got pearl clutchy about a non-Englishman taking charge of England, but in the same way that a non-Welshman taking charge of Wales kind of did wonders for us. You take somebody out of the the nationalistic hype and baggage and all that shit, and then they just become a professional rugby coach doing a job. And yeah. that is in many ways kind of what you want from an international coach. That's big. You don't want somebody who's sort of like totally caught up in all of the hype and pomp and, and all that shit. You've just reminded me of something I wanted to put in the shit, which was hashtag wear the rose Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> what was that, that was all about? Dread. Hashtag Rose <laughs> Army. Rose Army I, sounds like a lead singer of a really shit punk band. <laughs> I, whoever sent the uh, the photo of Rose West made me laugh. Oh, that was brilliant, about, wasn't it? We, when we were kind of hours. taking a piss with the Wear the Rose, and somebody had Wear the Rose in a picture of Rose West. That was the winner right there. I can't remember who it was. Excellent was, work, whoever it was. Yeah, I was teeing up a couple and then to send to you, and then I saw the Rose West and was just, that's you know, it. I'm not, that's the end I'm of not it. topping yeah. that. It's done. Um, <laughs> we peaked yeah. too early on this one. Yeah. Yeah, from but, a um, Wales point of view, then, what do you think? Yes. Uh, well, Reese Webb has been brought, called back into the, uh, do, the squad do you this agree week, with that? which is absolutely, I mean, to be honest with you, I would start him. I don't think Gatland will, but. I just think for all of the positive stuff that Gareth Davis has done for Wales since Webb got injured and absolute credit to him for that, um, his decision-making mm. is poor and his passing is sketchy and his kicking is, hasn't been that much better this yeah. tournament so far. Because yes, Webb scores does. as well, doesn't he? That's the yes, thing. exactly. The, Gareth Davis scores these spectacular... You're not losing you know, the tries Hollywood if tries. you bring Webb in, are you? No, Reb can do that as well, but the difference is that if he's in that position that Gareth Davis found himself against in France in where, you know, he just has to give a pass and there will be a a try, you know, Webb has got the conviction and the awareness and the experience to make the right call in that situation. And And I love yeah. Reese Webb because he's everything a scrum half should be. He's a short, is. shiny, white-toothed, gel-haired gobshite. <laughs> he's and not that short, actually. He's like six foot. Well, it's because he stood next but... to the pack. They always look short, don't yes, they? But true, you see, yeah. you take my point. He's exactly what Absolutely. a scrum half he should is, be. He is a flash. He's a flash guy, and he looks, you know, as you say, it's the the coiffured hair. It's the the yeah. bullshy, shouty, shittiness. Yeah. It sounds like I'm being know, negative. I'm not. That's exactly. It's like no, that's it's like exactly Jim Hamilton. Jim Hamilton's a yeah. big, violent disgrace, but he's brilliant. Yes, that's what that's, that's what, what his job. Is, that's what his position is meant to be. Yeah. That's why you know, when I say that you know, most of England's scrum halves between sort of 1989 and 2007 were absolute pricks of the highest <laughs> regard. That is, it's a positive. That's, well, I mean, it's, it's it's I say that with respect as well as contempt. I mean, yeah. they were all dickheads, and that because of that, they were very good. And a, being a dickhead is a very important qu- like quality for a scrum half to have, I think. I mean, you know, let's be honest, Matt Dawson's an absolute clunge, but every time you watch back, you know, old videos of him playing, <clears throat> oh yeah. Christy was good. He was brilliant. Right up until that point where he decided to stop playing for England and do question sport. Um, Banter. Hashtag. Yes. 
Hashtag mm. Bants. And you know, Mike Phillips is probably the you know textbook example of that. Morgan Parra. Morgan Parra. Morgan Parra seems quite nice. No, and weirdly I don't think nice. He does. For, I mean, I think he he's just quiet with of, it. He's just a quiet, yeah, also in a quiet actually, way. Actually, that's true. Yeah. He's not as bullshit well, as French, the average scrum off. He's got, he's got a bit more of a philosophical bullshit, like shittiness about him. It's like, you get the feeling he's just right at the angry poetry about you later it's on. It's like Fabien Galtier was quite clearly a nasty little <laughs> arsehole, but came across as sort of all right because he, he looked yes, like a poet. Yeah, true, he looked actually. like he should have been. He looked like he should have been a beat poet or something. <laughs> right. Anyway. Um, so yes, back to the actual game. Yeah. Sorry um, about that. Uh, for me, yeah, we got really destroyed. Um, for me, I think England are probably clear favourites both my gut and my head says that you'll probably win relatively handily in the end due to confidence form coaching and I think the depth is probably there as well Wales won't be afraid going though they did win there oh, no. six months ago I, didn't they they're not there to make up the numbers but I mean I think everybody forgets that England were absolutely coasting to a win at the that World was the Cup. point I was going to make. Yeah, the people forget yeah. that actually Wales <laughs> until, should have lost that game quite yeah, handsomely unt- until Gareth Davis's try they did nothing and England were just trotting away to a win and that's that for me is the key thing if England can keep Wales out they did nothing until Burgess was taken off the field well Bath were doing well until Burgess was taken out of their squad I am telling you I am telling you it is a thing sports scientists will prove me right one day (laughs) right anyway so so you think England when I think England win yeah I think if, if England can keep Wales out and stop them scoring a try like and with Wales's recent attacking struggles and England's defence, you'd say that's probably not hard. Yeah. I don't think like Wales need like a try to build momentum and to have that sort of thing. And if England can sort of stop that, then they're fine. Okay, so we think England are going to win, and it's going to be. Yeah. you think? I think it'll be it'll be single digit oh. points, but I think they'll win. Yeah, I'm seven to ten. I'm thinking it's not going to be a hammering, but yeah. similar kind of game to the Ireland one. Scotland versus France. I think Scotland will win this. They're at home. Uh, I, I like that lovely support running game they've got building up. Um, I think their their scrum will stand up even to the French one, and the French have all the poise and creativity of a jar of pickled cabbage. That's very true. Dare I say it though? It depends which Scotland turn up oh! to, to flip that popular mantra on its head. Because I mean, if they play like they did against Italy, then yeah, it's going to be an absolute defensive Scottish problem, win. Isn't it? Yeah, but like the French will niggle them and try to, you know, arm wrestle them. And as we saw against England, the, the Scottish forwards can get a bit preoccupied with that shit. Mm. And I mean, also France, hopefully, please, please, baby Jesus, will have Francois Tranduke starting. Oh at 10. yes, that's true. So we haven't seen that the team yet. I think it will exactly. all hinge on that. So Twitter and, uh, out pa- there, keep your eyes open because Tranduke is the forking in the road. Exactly, and if they've got any actual real proper sense, Morgan Parra's fit and firing for Claremont again, get him in the squad. Start those two and they might win some games. I still think Scotland are going to win it. I still think so too because I think there's too much. But I actually yeah, hope Scotland are going to win it. I want them to have a reasonable tournament. Yeah. I like them. Even though I'm English, I like them. I want them to have a reasonable tournament. They play good rugby, they play it the right way and... I just wish nothing but misery on France because they continue to just can shit all over the proud legacy of French rugby with what they've got at the moment. And so there you go. It's got to change. We've picked Ireland, England and Scotland. So mm-hmm. that'll be wins for Italy, Wales and France at the weekend <laughs> because we've put the full hex on. Yes, that was my cunning plan. Josh, we have come to the end. 
We have indeed. Have another week. Well, we'll be finishing, as we always do, with The Loop, which is the world's mm-hmm. first and only rugby-related playlist. I've probably bent the rules a bit this week, simply because I wanted to play some Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> well, I, I can't... I, given that I'm currently looking at a framed copy of Bruce Springsteen's Born to Run album sleeve, I can't really argue with that. So, yes. Yeah, Bruce Springsteen is the greatest exponent of rock music ever <laughs> and actually helped me to understand what it means to be a man I quite like him <laughs> <laughs> anyway I am going to yes. um, finish with Bruce Springsteen I'm going to because of where England are going and what this this means this weekend whoever wins the England Wales game we think are going to win the tournament yes mm-hmm. I think one of the yeah. tournament could be described as reaching the promised land so we're going to finish with the live version, because you don't, you should always listen to Bruce Springsteen live with the live version <laughs> of From Darkness on the Edge of Town, The Promised Land. Goodbye, Josh. See ya. I pick up my car, head back into town, driving across the Waynesburg County line. I got the radio on, but it's just killing time. Working all day in my daddy's garage, driving all night, chasing some mirage. Pretty soon we'll
no, is it everywhere? No, sure, stay and sort that out. We can have dinner another time. Amazing. Whether it's cancelled plans... Ah, fuck! Get in the kitchen and calm down. ...or the need for a quick, convenient distraction. Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect that cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.